When you walk into the room, as you approach a situation, as they talk to you, as they look you in the eye, as they hear you speak, there should be something different about you as a believer. Now, we are not only responsible to God, but we are also accountable to each other. Amen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We are not only responsible to God, we are accountable to each other. God expects us to expect from us. <laughs> Amen. Amen. More on that a little bit later. Now, if you heard or watched any of those so-called proceedings that went on in the House of Representatives trying to elect the next Speaker of the House, it was the exact opposite of what God expects us to expect from each other. Amen. I'm not going to be here long, but I just had to touch on it. It was complete disorder disrespect right. and chaos. Yes. 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 God is not in chaos, however he hovers over chaos. Waiting to be infused into the chaos to straighten the whole mess out. Yes. Yes. But in the midst of all of the disorder, disrespect and chaos, it resulted in a deal with the devil Come on. Come that's on. going to hurt all of us, yes. but it should wake us all up. Especially us as a believer. We can no longer sleep and act like this does not affect or will not affect us. Amen. As I told you last week, the devil is out to kill, steal, and destroy. And destroy means he wants to reduce you to useless fragments. He wants to injure you beyond repair. And he wants to put an end to you and extinguish you. He wants to reduce you to useless fragments. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy. Now God has told us that this is our year of recovery, restoration, and revival. Recovery, according to, to dictionary.com, means to get back or to regain strength and composure. Mm. Who needs strength? Mm. 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 Restoration, according to dictionary.com, means to return to something to the original or an unimpaired condition. Or get back to the original intent. All right? And revival means Another, from dictionary.com point of view, an awakening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you put them all together, God wants us to regain our strength by getting us back to our original unimpaired condition by waking us up. He wants us to regain our strength by getting us back to our original, our original unimpaired condition by waking us up. In other words, God wants us as woke believers. Come on. Yes. He don't want us as sleep believe, sleepy believers or sleep believers. He wants us as woke believers. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, 
There is something that God expects us to expect from us. This us is his kingdom disciples. Mm. He expects his kingdom disciples to expect something from other kingdom disciples. Amen? And what does that mean? It means that we as kingdom, as a kingdom disciple who are followers of Jesus Christ cannot live in your kind of way and serve God in your kind of way. Hmm? This is another foundational teaching. Amen. Growing spiritually can be painful and sometimes lonely, but it's eternally beneficial. Growing spiritually can be painful and sometimes it can be lonely, but it is eternally beneficial. Now, I remember when I met with Pastor McConnell years ago to let him, to talk to him about me accepting my call into the ministry finally. And he's, he, and the words I'll never forget him saying is this. He said, it's going to be times where you will be lonely. Because ministry is loneliness at times. Amen? But then as I, I didn't know what he meant then. I couldn't understand that then. But I sure do know what he means now. But then also, as I have read my Bible, I've discovered I am in good company. Yes, <laughs> the prophet Elijah was called to prophesy against King Ahab, who was the king of Israel, and he proclaimed the drop that was sent by God. Elijah had to flee into the wilderness where the ravens had, had the feeding. Sometimes declaring the word of the Lord and standing in faith will drive you into the wilderness. <laughs> By yourself, <laughs> where you have to depend on nothing but God to feed you. Amen. The prophet Jeremiah, who is also known as the weeping prophet, was forbidden to marry and therefore he didn't have a wife or kids. He was called to speak words of repentance and was often rejected by those he was serving. That's right. So he was lonely at times. Mm -hmm. And lastly, King David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, and the man after God's own heart, with, um, had a lengthy and challenging path to the throne. And when he was eventually on the throne, he had to deal with loneliness. Right. What does that mean? You can be surrounded by people who are only kind to you for what it gets them. God wants us to raise the standard because he is not just trying to take us to another level, as I told you last week. He is trying to get us into another dimension. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. So as we have just finished the first leg of our 21 day, pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers corporate fast. And I also ask, encourage you to pray for something else besides the corporate.
Pray for God to do a work in you as we go through this fast. We are believing God to send laborers so that we can advance his kingdom agenda. Amen. Amen. It's not our agenda. It's his kingdom agenda. And although salvation is available to anyone, there are certain characteristics God is looking for when it comes to his kingdom business. So let's go to the epistle of Paul, the apostle to Titus, the epistle to Titus. Now, when you, now normally when uh, a pulpit committee is formed and they look for a pastor, some of these scriptures that we are going to read today are some of those same scriptures that they say that they want their pastor to be or to do or to aspire to. Amen. This is one of the qualifications. Some of the qualifications. Now, the context of Titus is the letters of First and Second Timothy and Titus are often referred to as the pastoral epistles. Titus, like Timothy, was one of Apostle Paul's sons in the ministry. Now, Paul has sent him to lead the churches on the island of Crete, and then he wrote this brief but powerful letter to equip Titus to effectively lead them in serving the body of Christ. Now, see, Crete had a strong pagan influence because this small island may have been the training center for Roman soldiers. Mm -hmm. So Paul explained to Titus the importance of leadership, noting that part of Titus' responsibility as a pastor and a spiritual leader was to develop leaders who would help the church fulfill its role. And this included, as you will see shortly, encouraging older men to disciple the younger men and the older women to disciple the younger women so that the members of the body of Christ could help one another grow. So what we're getting ready to read here is we're getting ready to start reading. This is what God is a part of what God wants us to expect from us. All right. Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. Track with me, if you will. It says this. First verse says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie, God cannot lie, he promised before the world began, but have in due times manifested his word through preaching which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Then he goes and says, To Titus, my own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Writing to Titus, right? Remember the Bible is not written with to us, it's written for us. Verse 5 says, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou should ascend in order the things that are are wanting and ordained elders in every city as I appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children not accused of riot or, un, or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, nor striker, not given to filthy lucre, 
but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, and temperate. And what is that saying? He was talking to Titus as what he needed for his leaders, but he is speaking to us about character. We need to have Character is defined as strength of moral fiber. Late pastor and author A.W. Tozer described character as the excellence of moral beings. As the excellence of gold is its purity and the excellence of art is its beauty, so the excellence of man is his character. You are judged by your character. Mm. Now, last night we went to a, a social gathering, and uh, one of the people that were there, it was a couple of people, and they were talking back and forth. And one of them said, Well, Brent Hightower said this, and another one said, No, I know he didn't say that because that's not his character. I know his character. Character is important, it precedes your reputation. I know he didn't say that because that's not his character. What do people say about you? Hmm. People of character are noted for their honesty, ethics, and charity. Descriptions such as man of principle and woman of integrity are assertions of character. A lack of character is moral deficiency, and people lacking character tend to be dishonest, unethical, and uncharitable. That's a sign of moral deficiency. They are dishonest, unethical, and uncharitable. There is a lot of this going on from so-called Christians. They tell you to have the baby, but don't want to help you after you have the baby. Mm. They, they talk about wanting to give you health care, but at the same time vote to take it away without a plan to replace it. They talk about loving our veterans, but they don't want to house our veterans. They talk about wanting to help the poor, but have created a system of Poverty designed to keep them poor by not raising the minimum wage. Your character is the sum of your disposition, thoughts, intentions, desires, and actions. Your character is the sum of your disposition, your thoughts, intentions, your desires, and your It is good to remember that your character is gauged by your general tendencies, not based on a few isolated incidents. A broke clock is right twice a day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You need to look at your whole life. 
I'm going to use King David again. He was a man of good character, although he sinned on occasion, according to 2 Samuel chapter 11. And although King Ahab may have acted nobly once, but according, according to 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 35, he was still a man of overall bad character, according to 1 Kings 16, 33, which says in the New King James, and Ahab made a wooden image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger, to anger than all of the kings of Israel who were before him. Several people besides David are described as having good character. Ruth, Hanani, and Job are distinguished by persistent moral values. See, God's purpose for us is this. It's to develop his character within us by transforming us into the image of his son. Yes. Amen. God's purpose is to develop his character within us yes. by transforming us into the image of his son. That's why it says be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Because God's purpose is to have his character rise up within us and transform us into the image of his son. So what does that mean? So when God looks at you, he should see himself in you. Proverbs 17.3 says this, the refining pot is for silver and the furnace is for gold. But the Lord tests the heart. Mm -hmm. mm. Say that again. What, what word is that? Proverbs 17.3. I'm reading out the New King James. The refining pot is for silver and the furnace is for gold. But the Lord tests the heart. Mm. Yes. The recurring theme for the last couple of months is about our hearts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. God wants to give us a new heart and his character in us so that we can grow up into the next dimension so that we can spiritually mature to go to the next dimension with him and to go deeper not to get stuck and not to think we all bad but to grow us closer to him Godly character is the result of the Holy Spirit's work of sanctification. Hallelujah. Sanctification is the process of your growth as a believer. Let's go a little bit deeper in sanctification. There are three parts to sanctification. Positional, progressive, and ultimate. Positional, progressive, and ultimate. Positional sanctification is accomplished in you when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Why that takes you from here to him. When you receive him as your Lord and Savior. Progressive is the growth process 
by which you as a believer seek to become more like Jesus in your decisions and lifestyle. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's the growth process by which you seek. Yes. Mm -hmm. You can't grow up without seeking. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Hmm? Yeah. Submission yeah. yeah. is very important. It's a key. Mm -hmm. So you got positional, you got progressive, but then ultimate sanctification will only be achieved when you stand perfect before Jesus in glory. So positional is the entry level, right? Progressive is mid-range, but ultimate is when you stand before Jesus and he declares that you did what you were supposed to do. Mm. Not being perfect, like, you know, because David wasn't perfect, but he was a good man of good character. He's impulsive, what you say? Yeah, he was impulsive. Yeah. <laughs> but he still had a good character. Why? Because his whole life yeah. points to him having a good character. He wasn't right just twice a day, like a broken clock. Amen. Character in you as a believer is a consistent manifestation of Jesus in your life. A consistent manifestation. Not Jesus showing up every now and then. <laughs> Only on Sunday. Maybe on Christmas. A couple times on Easter. Amen. But it's got to be a consistent manifestation of Jesus in your life. Remember I said earlier, there has to be, there should be something different about you as a believer. If you have a consistent manifestation of Jesus in your life, that will be the difference in your life. Yes. Yes. Amen. It is the purity of heart that God gives that will become purity in action. The purity of your heart that God gives you will result in purity in action. In other words, there won't be no ulterior motive to what you're doing because you have a pure heart toward God. So your motivations and your movements will be pure because it's because of what God has poured into you. Not for gain on your own and not to do your own thing, not to stand up to be seen and put the spotlight on you. But your motives will be pure because God has poured himself and Jesus' manifestation in you consistently to move how you move in God. Yeah, oh, that's good. That's good. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I thank you, Lord. Check this out. God sometimes uses trials to strengthen your character. Yeah. <laughs> God sometimes uses the trials that we go through to strengthen your character, not weaken your character. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4 says, And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulations produce perseverance or endurance, and perseverance character. Another another meaning for character is approved character, and character hope. 
So God sometimes uses trials to strengthen your character because if he strengthens your character, he will you you can hold on to your hope. Your hope, my hope is built on what? But Jesus love and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. God is pleased when you grow in character. I know I'm spending a lot on character, but it's important. It is important. It's good. This is how you develop character. By controlling your thoughts. Controlling your mouth. That got quiet. It got awful quiet. <laughs> Amen on thoughts. But when I got to mouth, it got quiet. <laughs> By controlling your thoughts, controlling your mouth, practicing Christian virtues, guarding your heart, and keeping good company. Controlling your thoughts, controlling your mouth, Practice Christian virtues, guarding your heart, yes. and keeping good company. Yes. Amen? Amen. Amen? That's how you develop character. But not your thoughts, his thoughts. Right. Yes. Now shut up. <laughs> Walk in the fruit of the Spirit. Guard your heart. Don't let those impure thoughts come into your heart. And keep good company. Don't hang out with them that hang on the block all the time and then come to church on Sunday. That's okay to hang for a minute, but don't keep it as a good Don't keep company with them. Because they're either going to draw you or you're going to draw them. And most times, they end up drawing you. Titus 1, 7, 8, New Living Translation, I'm going to read in this. It says, a church leader or a bishop in the New King James or a believer, according to Martin Hightower version, is a manager of God's household. We are managers. A believer or a leader or a pastor, or a deacon, or an usher, or a lay member, we are the manager of God's household. Yes, yes. He gave us charge to be steward of his household. It's his house. But he gave us charge to manage it. So we must live a blameless life. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered. This is talking about a bishop, church leader, believer. He or she, if you want to put it in there. He or she must not be a heavy drinker. He or she must not be violent or dishonest with money. Amen. 
Reverend he and she must enjoy having guests in their home. Mm -hmm. And he or she must love what is good. He or she must live wisely and be just. He or she must live a devout and disciplined life. And when you apply these verses to your life, you will set a good example to others. And as you set that good example to up that example to others, they will want to know what's going on with you. Something different about you, all right? So you need character. Next thing you need is sound doctrine. Mm, yeah. Sound doctrine. First Timothy, I mean first, I mean Titus verse 9, 1 9 says, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. What is sound doctrine? It's uncorrupted teaching. It's uncorrupted teaching, meaning this. Not inserting me and telling you what can what what I say, right. but what thus saith the Lord. Right. Uncorrupted teaching. Sound so why is sound doctrine important? Well, I'm gonna tell you. Sound doctrine or uncorrupted teaching is important because your faith is based on a specific message. Mm -hmm. And although the overall teaching of the church contains many elements, the primary message is according to 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, Christ died for our sins mm -hmm. according to the scriptures mm -hmm. and was buried mm -hmm. and was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Mm -hmm. That is the, this is the good news of the gospel and it is of first importance. If you change that message, the basis of faith shifts from Christ to something else. That's dangerous ground when you want to change the message of Christ. That he died and that he was buried and that he was raised. Your eternal destiny, according to Ephesians 1.13, depends upon hearing the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. The next reason sound doctrine is important, because the gospel is a sacred trust. And you don't dare mess with God's communication to the world. Our communication to the world is that Christ died, Christ was buried, and he was raised up. And now he went back to the Father and he will soon be coming back for his church. Oh, yes. hmm? We can change methods mm -hmm. but don't change the message. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Your duty as a believer is to deliver the message. Okay. Not change the message. Jude tells us to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered, which was once for all, was once for all delivered to the saints. To contend means to strenuously fight to keep something. The book of Revelation tells us not to add or subtract from the word. In Revelation 
uh, Revelation um, 20, in Revelation, I can't remember the exact address, but it says this. It says, don't add or subtract to the word because if you do, you open yourself up for an attack. Lastly, sound doctrine is important because you need to know the truth in a world that's full of lies. <laughs> Have you not noticed the lies that's going on in this world? And the reason why the world is full of lies is because the God, small g, of this world is the father of lies. So everything he says is a lie because he don't know nothing else to do but lie because that is his character. <laughs> we are in the world for life. So you need to know the truth. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, that many false prophets have gone into the world. Many. Matthew 13, 25 tells us there are many tares among the wheat and wolves among the flock. The best way to distinguish the truth from a lie is to know the truth for yourself. Because it's the truth that will make you free. And it's the truth that will help you discern the lie. Because a skillful liar can make you believe a lie. Because it said if you say a lie long enough, <laughs> loud enough, Many times enough, <laughs> people will believe the lie so much that they will fight and kill and steal and destroy based on a lie. So we as believers need to raise the standard on getting sound doctrine. Now, I won't, I'm not patting myself on the back, but I'm telling you, if you don't be a part of Liberty Church, we're going to read sound, we're going to read the doctrine. Yeah. And we're going to learn how to apply the doctrine. Because I know the truth will make us free and we will grow up in God. Hmm. Amen. Because I don't want to be held to account by teaching something else that God didn't tell me to teach. So teaching us on popping up some pablum, yeah. <laughs> soft serve ice cream, <laughs> junk food. We we have we have church. We've had junk food long enough. Well, how can you tell you spiritually malnutrition because you can't stand up when the winds and the rain come. You fold. Amen. That's right. No foundation. None. And that's Mr. Gabby said. I'm hanging on by a thread. But Moses, the hem of his garment. <laughs> Hold on, change is coming. Your knuckles may get white. <laughs> and you might feel like you want to let go. But hold on. Hold on. Every change is coming and everything going to be all right. As Mr. Larry said, God got something waiting on the other side of getting through this mess called life. Yeah. 
Praise God. Yeah. One other thing, and this, this is the last thing we need. We need character. We need sound doctrine. And we, above all else, we need self-control. Yeah. <laughs> Chapter 2, what Titus says this, verse 1 says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men, sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience, the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becoming, that as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, and to love their children. Verse 5 says, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men, likewise, exhort to be sober-minded, be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works and doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned as he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say. All that to say that you need to have self-control. All of those different air, all of those, the old men, the older women, the young men, and, 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 and so forth and so on. We need to have self-control. And self-control is simply the ability to control yourself. And you can do that. Right? It involves moderation and constraint. The ability to say no to your lower desires and fleshly love, like lust. One of the proofs of God's working in your life is the ability to control your own thoughts, words, and actions. Mm. It's not that you are naturally weak-willed, but your fallen nature is under the influence of sin. Let me take this misnomer. Just because you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you become a new creature in Christ does not mean your Lord nature is not lurking around. <laughs> Though your spirit <laughs> and man is, 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 is saved, <laughs> your soul which houses your mind sometimes have trouble being saved. <laughs> right? That's why the devil can mess with your mind. And get you to go into sin. I'm not going to say fall into it. Go into it. <laughs> That's why you have to be led by your spirit. Spirit man first. Not your soul. Because your soul causes those emotions. And your emotions as we've been saying. Is, they can be all over the place. Depending on what's going on. Hormones can be going crazy. People can be going crazy at your job, at your house. Yeah. People can cut you off while you're driving down the street. The person got your order wrong at, at whatever your favorite place to get your orders from. Right. Amen. And you got to be careful to be led by your spirit and, and have self-control. You can only exercise self-control when you operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Because without the Holy Spirit, you have no control. Amen. 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 Like a vulnerable city, you must have a defense. A wall around an ancient city was designed to keep out the enemy. Judges at the gates determined who should be allowed in and who should remain outside. Soldiers and gates enforced those decisions. In your life, these defenses might include avoiding close relationships with those who draw you away from God. There it is again. And also, one of the defenses is a meeting with other believers who will help keep you accountable and grounded in the word who you know that will be praying for you. And ultimately, meditating on the word of God. It's almost impossible to exhibit self-control if you continue daily with that which enslaves you. Hmm? You need the Holy Spirit. Because self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Amen? So we need to raise the standard of our character, by receiving sound doctrine and then applying self-control with the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. So we need to raise the standard, y'all. Yes, if we're going to recover, mm -hmm. if we're going to be restored, mm -hmm. and if we're going to be revived, yes. we need to raise the standard. Yes. We got to give God something to work with. Yes. <laughs> Amen. And it's going to take effort on our part. God is more than willing and able to do his part. Right. But we have to do our part. Right. That's right. That's right. And show him to the world. Mm. Through our character, self-control. Yeah. Amen. Self-control and walking in sound doctrine. Amen. 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 God bless you. God keep you. Amen. Amen.